Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. All right, if you'd like to uh, follow a scoring at home, we're going to be looking at Ephesians 1 and Acts chapter 28 tonight. We're starting a new series on the gifts of the Spirit. The reason we're doing this is because I believe we are already crossed the Rubicon, so to speak, or the, the, the threshold of beginning to see the power of God manifest in His people in a way that we haven't seen in many decades. And I, for one, am hungry for that. How about you? All right. And, um, you know, back in the Old Testament, Solomon said, how many of you have ever read Ecclesiastes? How many of you have asked the Lord to help you get through Ecclesiastes? Because it can be, I mean, you know, after a while, it's like, you know, he says some good things, but it just, can't, you know, it's like he's down in the basement digging holes. And the reason for that is because Solomon, the wisest man in the world, and this was obviously before he derailed, but uh, could see the depravity, the emptiness, the need of the, of the human condition, but he could see no way out of the predicament because, Paul tells us, that was hidden from them. Now, it does show up in a measure in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, which, you know, they're two of the later prophets, but they're the uh, exilic if you want to call it that, prophets. But, uh, you know, I mean, think about the things that he says. There is an evil I have seen under the sun. Or this, that, and the other thing, striving after wind. Everybody winds up dead, you know. He clearly saw the fallenness of humanity, but with no answer in sight. And to his credit, he did say that serving the Lord was the best way to walk, your li- walk out your life. When Jesus came... The reason he came was to change all that. And Jesus is the game changer. He's the watershed. In fact, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23, quoting the Old Testament, no less, says, Behold a virgin, Isaiah, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. God with us in a very special way. This was a miraculous intervention of God himself entering into time and space on, you know, for, for our benefit. John chapter 1 and verse 4. And the word became flesh. The same word that appeared to Moses in the burning bush. The same word that walked with Adam. In the cool of the day. Somebody might say, well, I thought that was God. It is God, God the Word, who walked with him. Because, you know, John tells us no man has seen God at any time. And clearly Adam saw somebody. So this is what the the Jews used to call Yahweh number two, or visible Yahweh, the Word. The one who appeared to Abraham, the one who appeared to Gideon, the one who appeared to so many saints, to Jacob and so many in the, uh, in the Old Testament. And it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Get ready to see 
the glory of God again. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. By the way, when you, you, when you teach on a, a doctrine of grace, be sure to include truth. I'll just leave, leave that hanging out there. Jesus ate. Jesus drank. He perspired. Does everybody know what perspired means? He sweat. What is it? Uh, horses sweat, men perspire, and women glow. <laughs> That's what I was told when I was a kid. He shivered when he got cold. He got dirty. There were times you could probably, as I've heard one preacher say, you could smell him coming. Because he was completely human. He became fatigued. He was disappointed at times. He was elated at times. Why? Because he did not just emulate humanity. He became humanity. Fully God and fully man. It was a complete and total identification with us. With purpose. Ezekiel 36 verses 25 and following. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit. Everybody say spirit. Within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my who? Spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. This is the first little glint of what God plans to do. Sprinkle clean, not with water, but with the blood of the spotless lamb. A new heart. What does Paul say over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? If any man be in Christ, he's a new critter. He's a new creation. All things have passed away. New things have come. We've got to get our minds wrapped around that. You know, because you will, you and I will behave based upon our self-image. If we see ourselves as old sinners saved by grace, that's exactly the way we'll walk. But if we see ourselves as a new creation and we see 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30 that Christ Jesus has been made to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And we walk that out. Well, I'm telling you that would be a different life, wouldn't it? A new heart. Getting rid of the old rock hard heart and there's grace. The spirit. What is grace? Grace in its in its most common manifestation is the power of the living God, the anointing of the living God, the assistance, if you want to put it that way, of the living God coming upon the believer to walk in a manner worthy of him and to get his will done. Why? Because we can't do it on our own. How many of you have proven that without fear of successful contradiction? Colossians chapter 1 and 26 and following says, that is the mystery, Paul said it was hidden, which has been hidden 
from the past ages and generations, but now has been manifested. What is manifested? Made visible, made understandable, made tangible to his saints. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Now there's a, now somebody that knows Greek might say, now is that the hope of glory an objective genitive or a subjective genitive? And I know you're going, a what? If it's a subjective genitive, the, the word glory, that would mean glory's hope. If it's an objective genitive, it means hope of glory. In other words, we are hoping, we are confident of glory. The other way, it means that glory, heaven, has its confidence in us. How many of you, if you thought of that as the interpretation, might wonder if God has his confidence just a little misplaced? But I assure you, God knows what he's doing. In fact, we're talking about tonight about God's amazing plan. Notice there, it comes and has now been manifested again in verse 26. Past it, hidden from past ages and, and generations, but now has been manifested to his saints. Wow. To whom God will to make known what are the riches of his glory. You got to quit thinking and I've got to quit thinking about us as walking under what Paul in the King James Version, and I can't improve on this, called the beggarly elements. We are not beggars. Amen. We are not Barely get by, barely scrape by, hope that it happens and hope God's faithful. And what do we do? We cross our fingers and roll our eyes back in our head and sweat real hard. Ephesians chapter 1. Listen to this. Paul's praying for the church. How many of you are aware of the two prayers? Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. These are great. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. In order that, specifically, he's praying, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your Heart, which would do no good if you still had the old stony heart. But now that you've got a heart of flesh, now that you've got a heart that's soft, now that you are wall-to-wall -wall Holy Spirit in one-third of you, it works. Um, you know, the, when I was in the military, they were first just beginning to use lasers for communication and range finding and stuff. And I don't, you know, I was with a guy who knew those things and he was working with it and everything. And he says, do you see our, our laser? And it was infrared. So I said, no, I, I don't. And he said, here. He hands me a pair of glasses and you look at it and you see this stripe 
that goes across that, that just was going across the uh, you could just see it you know from right to left left to right whatever you know and man when you get your spiritual eyes on you start seeing things that you didn't see before you start understanding things you did not understand before because you have that spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. By the way, hope there means confidence. Hope doesn't mean like, I hope, I hope, I hope the Royals win the World Series. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I hope the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. That's, that's a fond wish. Biblical hope is confidence. That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened and that you will know, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, the confidence of his calling, what are the riches of his glory in, of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us. And by the way, where it says toward us, it's the little Greek um, uh, um, preposition ice or ace depending on your um, school of pronunciation epsilon iota sigma which means in two what is the surpassing greatness of his power in two us who believe Hallelujah. these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put how many things in subjection under his feet? All. Everybody say all things. All. But I'm, you know, I turned on CNN tonight and I'm pretty sure that's not true. You just wait. We heard one week ago tonight from this pulpit that men's plans will fail. There is a plan. There is an evil plan out there working. In fact, there are a bunch of evil plans. And God is not, the Father is not looking at God the Son sitting at his right hand side going, what are we going to do? I mean, they have really got this thing figured out. Oh, no. No, according to uh, Psalm chapter 2, he who sits in the heavens laughs and he scoffs. The full, now, here, oh, here's something that's really hard to get your head around. Chapter 20, verse 22, let's read this again. He put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body. The what? Fullness of him who fills all in all. It's a very special word in Greek. Play Roman. It means completion. All of him. If you want to know where Jesus is on this earth, the Bible says the fullness of him is his people. His people. It is through his people he walks the earth. It is through his people, his body. That is, what is God's plan? His people. Amen. If you want to find the power of God, I, I know this. I mean, there are people. Does the church look pretty emaciated in North America right now? Yeah. But not the remnant. And if the church, you know, if you want, if you want to find the power of God, you need to find a believer. Amen. 
Amen. It's not politically correct. It's just true. At least potentially. You see, there are electric outlets here in the front that's over here, front part of this platform. There's right there. And there is, is there electricity flowing through that? The answer is no, because there's nothing plugged in into it. And so we say the power there is potential. And guess what? Every one of us is potential. Paul is praying that they would be aware of it. That we are his hands, we are his feet, we are his lips. The church is not just an organization. It is that, but it is also an organism. It is living, it is breathing, it is alive. Alive with the life, at least potentially the power, and the gifts of God. The fullness of his power. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8, and following says this, To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God. Well, you know, you, that's, what does that mean? To bring to light, to show, to demonstrate what is the administration of the mystery. What was the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is administration? It is the application. It is the deployment. God had a plan and it was mysterious to people. He didn't reveal it. And Paul says, my job is to make it evident Plain, understandable for everyone to know what God is doing. Keep, keep going here. What is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the scripture? No. Through whom? The church. Everybody say, through us? through us. To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. In other words, the devil doesn't know what God is going to do until one of God's kids actually does it. Right on. He is, who knows, you know, I'm telling you, the man, and not just that, the manifold, oh, I've got to, hello, i got to draw this. When I was a kid, the guys who had money, and wanted to make their cars go fast. This was before uh, fuel injection. We had, they, we had a manifold that stood way up over the motor. And they called it a tarantula. How many of you remember the tarantula? We had to put, if it was a big enough, you had to put a little lunchbox on your hood. And you had your, you know, your, the, the, all the air was coming in here. But what happens is you have these runners that take the fuel and air mixture and distribute them to, to the cylinders. This would be called the intake manifold. It's splitting, right? 
And, we have, and, and when the, the exhaust goes out, you have what's known as the exhaust manifold. So in other words, each cylinder is pushing out the exhaust and through a manifold. If it's a V8, there's four on this side and four on that side. And they go down and, you know, get in a, a, a larger pipe and hopefully dual exhaust. If not, it's really choked. I want you to see that God doesn't do everything through one person. It's manifold. Amen. You have the, in the ministry of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. You have, and God has all kinds of giftings and all kinds of things he's doing through people. And he doesn't give it all to one, any one person. In fact, he doesn't give half of it to any one person. Amen. He wants to manifest himself through everyone. Amen. He wants to move through everyone. If you're waiting and I'm waiting for God to start moving through a bunch of, of uh, superstar Christians, I'm here to tell you, you're going you're gonna to miss the boat because God wants to use you at Price Chopper. Amen. He wants to use you at Walmart, Target, wherever. At the office. And get in trouble with, well, anyway. So that the manifold, the many faceted, the variegated wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to whom the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places to those wicked spirits that are his enemies. He is taking the church and slapping them on both cheeks over and over and over. <laughs> I just had a mental vision of pig pen. Does everybody remember Charlie Brown? Remember the character Pigpen? Remember that whenever Pigpen would walk, there's this little cloud of dust after him because Pigpen apparently never took a bath. And I remember in one comic, one, one particular strip, Pigpen was walking, well, in fact, I, I think it may even have been on one of the TV uh, shows where Pigpen was walking by and Linus says, wow, that could be the dust of ancient civilizations passing by. The very dust of the Caesars and of, of, of uh, uh, Alexander the Great, etc. And Pigpen heard it and he stopped and he looked around and goes, kind of makes you want to treat me with more respect, doesn't it? <laughs> if we just knew and walked around in that knowledge, Ephesians, again, the power, 15 through 23, we just read it. That power, again, is into us, not just toward us. Power, it's the word kratos. It means strength, and it means, and his might is kus. It is the ability to create and to do whatever, that God will do whatever is necessary. He is, you know, Paul is praying for us to be aware of that, to have faith in it, to expect it. Jesus is exalted above all the demonic hosts. He is the head. And I remember one guy talking about how that when he was a pastor and he knew there was a guy in his church that was going through some really rough stuff. And he would say like, when he'd see him, he'd say, keep looking up, Bob. And Bob would say, keep looking down, pastor. And he said, after about the fourth time that happened, he finally said, Bob, what do you mean keep looking down? He said, I'm seated in the heavens with Christ. It's all under my feet. Amen. He quit telling people to keep looking up. 
the fullness, the church, we saw it in verse 23 of chapter 1 of Ephesians. The church is his body, the believers, God's answer, God's plan. When somebody cries out to God, God, I'm not saying God couldn't appear to them. God couldn't. <coughs> I'm talking about a non-believer now. He's going to find a, he's going to put a believer in that person's life. And if you want to find the power of God on earth, find a, find a Christian. Everybody say amen. amen. Paul's task was to make that obvious, to make that manifold wisdom of God known. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. Yet we do speak wisdom. Wisdom among those who are mature. Remember what he said to him. He said... I wanted to speak deep things to you, but you're not ready. You're carnal. You weren't able to take it. Even now, you're not able to take it. Oh, Father, grow us up. Because when you start talking about spiritual things to somebody who's born again or a very carnal Christian, it's like crying. You, you, you might as well be trying to describe colors to a person born blind. They don't get it. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, that is not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages. <gasps> what are those next three words? To our glory. Pastor, there isn't anything religious about the stuff you're saying tonight. No, there is not. Does this mean we can walk around with the big head? No, that's not mature. Big heart. That's right. Big heart, not big head. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood, because if they had known, they would never have crucified Jesus. Amen. They thought they had him. He's dead. He's gone. Yahoo. I can still hear Carmen singing that song. Yeah. Hey, grave. Yeah. <coughs> Amen. <laughs> what, a, you know, what is a Christian? It is the diminutive of Christ. We're little messiahs. We're little. What does Mashiach mean? It means anointed one. We're little anointed ones. Kind of makes you want to treat me with more respect, doesn't it? <laughs> the, I'm telling you, the enemy has been around a long time, and so he sees certain things and can predict certain things. But he really doesn't know where the next hit is going to originate because God keeps him guessing. He, we sing it. That God is unstoppable. He is unpredictable, except within the confines of the word. And there is no defense against him through the church. Amen. God did something the devil thought completely impossible. Second Corinthians. Again, where it says he predestined, which God predestined before the ages to our glory. Go a little bit further into 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, that word ambassador 
actually can be translated with equal accuracy, legate. L-E-G-A-T-E, legate. You might say, what's the difference? Huge. The ambassador, as we see them today, would go, let's just say that I was, you know, or you or the ambassador to Poland or the ambassador to Germany or Japan or some other country. And whenever you speak to the, uh, to the head of state or to the Japanese or German or Polish, whatever government, you are speaking on behalf of the United States government. That said, they may ask you a question that, to which you do not know the answer, and you would have to say, I'm going to have to check with Washington. And a situation may arise. Now, uh, you know, the, uh, but we live in an age of modern communication, quick communication, etc. In the Roman times, they did not have such communication. Because things that happened in the Holy Land, it could be weeks before, if they sent immediately information, it could be weeks before uh, Caesar or the Senate would find out what's going on there and send a reply of what they want done. And so a legate was given, not just the ambassadorial authority, but was given authority over the troops to respond as he or she, but usually he, saw fit. He was given not just a, a, the ability to respond, he was given the ability to mobilize the forces, the resources of Rome to take care of whatever had arisen. We are legates for Christ. Legates for God. We beg, and so he says, through God, we are making an, uh, as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I want you to think about that. That's why Jesus came. Because the Holy Spirit cannot dwell in a filthy house. And so our sin has been wiped away. It has been propitiated, paid in full. It has been expiated, wiped completely away, justified, just as if I'd never sinned. And God can even use a baby Christian who's a complete mess. Amen. Man of God used to tell a story about a fellow for whom he went to pray. And he went to pray for him and the Lord said, don't pray for him. He'll never have, he, he said he's been a Christian for 36 years. He's never lived right more than three weeks at a stretch. He'll never have a better time to die let him go now. And so he even said to him, he said, I once healed him from a broken back when he was living in adultery. Think about the mercy of God. He went and verified the story, talked to the family, said, you know, the Lord told me that he got healed of a broken back when he was living in an adulterous relationship. And, and they said, oh, yeah. He broke his back. He was in all kinds of traction in the hospital. The doctor said, you know, we're, we're not sure you're ever going to walk again and everything. And this guy said, I'm going to get up off of this bed and walk because God's going to heal me. Hallelujah. Now, you and I would probably look at him and say, no way. But God. 
And they said, he said, I'm getting off this bed. And they said, if you do, you're going to turn black and blue. You're going to fall to the ground and you could probably die. So he waited until they left the room. He got out of the bed, turned black and blue, fell to the floor and got up healed. But it didn't change his life. And eventually it got to him. I had a really, really good friend when I was a kid who was, uh, we both were a mess. I was a born again mess, but I don't know, I hope he was. And he, we were folding newspapers. He had an evening route. Remember when, the, remember when there used to be newspapers? And then kids would ride past your house on a bicycle and throw them up on the and uh, throw them up on the roof. <laughs> I had a few do that, and um, he said we were folding papers, you know, take them out of the bale, you know, and you're wrapping them up and everything, and you're sticking them in the bag to put on your Schwinn Stingray. And he said, man, I had a crazy experience last night. And I said, really, what happened? He said, I got healed of asthma. Well, he had bad asthma. I mean, whenever he was out mowing the lawn, he was wearing a mask and everything. And there were times when he had to have an inhaler and the whole deal. And he, you know, and I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, how did that happen? He said, I went out. He said, I was out at ORU and they were having this healing meeting. I have no idea how he wound up there. But he said, the guy that was preaching said, God is moving specially right now. If you need healing, get down here. Now, this is the kind of power I'm talk about which I'm talking, okay? And he said, I thought, well, what have I got to lose? Now, this is a manifestation of the Spirit because Quill didn't have faith. And he said, I started walking down, and I'll show you what, what I mean by that he didn't have faith. He started walking down the aisle, and he said, that guy looked at me and pointed right at me, and he said, you are healed. Go sit down. And he went, right. So he said, I turned around, started back to the seat, dejected. You know, because, remember Naaman the Syrian? He got upset because... Elisha didn't come out and wave his hand over him or anything like this. He says, go dip in the Jordan seven times. God sometimes tells us to do stuff that he goes, dip in the Jordan? Why would I want to dip in that sewer? I mean, the, the river of Parfar, all the rivers of Damascus are way cleaner than that mess. And he rode away in a towering rage. And a couple of his right-hand men, his eight said, not a man, if the man of God had asked you to do some big thing, would you have not done it? Well, of course. Well then, why would it hurt? Except it might be a little humiliating. So he goes down to the Jordan. You know, about the fifth time, he's probably thinking, yeah, whatever. Seventh time he came up, and his skin was no longer eaten with leprosy. He had skin like a child. I mean, he looked better than everybody around him. Because I'm telling you, those soldiers, Middle Eastern sun is not kind to them. Well, Quill goes, great. 
Oh, by the way, if I'd have been God when Naaman just stormed off, I would have went, good enough for you. Oh, no, it's too late now. Don't you be dipping. Get out of that river, you rat. No healing for you. You had your shot. And you just went and rode off. Aren't you glad our father's not like that? Amen. Oh, man. I mean, God can save people that you and I are pretty sure can't be saved. And so Quill's walking back and he's, I said, really? And he said, the weirdest thing happened. I said, what? He said, with every step back to my seat, I could feel Something in my chest changed. He said, I could breathe easier and easier. And he said, by the time I got to my seat, I think this is what it's like to breathe normally. He has had asthma since he was a little kid. And so he doesn't even remember ever not being asthmatic. And he goes, look. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. Now, obviously, I can't get inside his body and feel the difference. Unfortunately, that experience really didn't change his trajectory. And I don't know if he's in heaven tonight or not. He died a long time ago. And, um, and it wasn't a good thing. And I hope he's in heaven. I do. I hope. But whether he is or not, he is without excuse. Because our father touched him. Thank God for the man of God that would look at him and be obedient to God and say, you go sit, you go sit down, you're healed. The enemy, to, we are to be ambassadors, but to the enemy, we're very, something very different. The wor- to the world, we're ambassadors. To the enemy, we're agents. We're operatives. We're soldiers doing violence to his dominion and his plans. Healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. Yes. Acts 28, 7 through 10. Now in the neighborhood of that place where lands belong, and this was on Malta, the lands belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius who welcomed us and entertained us courteously three days. And it happened that the father of Publius was lying in bed, afflicted with recurrent fever and dysentery. And if you know what dysentery is, you know that is misery made very real. And Paul went in to see him and after he had prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. I love the way Luke here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says that Paul healed him. Now we know who it was really, but if Paul hadn't laid his hands on him, he would still be there with dysentery. And Paul went in to see him when he had prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. After this happened, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases were coming to him and getting cured. They also honored us with many marks of respect. And when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all we needed. Yeah, I think. Christianity, in its most biblical form, I'm all about good theology. Make no mistake. But Christianity, in its most biblical form, is about power. The power of God. 
that awesome power that we saw back in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19 poured into us to work in and through us. This is the very essence of grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God, excuse me, God and not of ourselves. Now, I'm done with my introduction to the series, not tonight. Turn to your neighbor and say, thank God. John chapter 20, verse 21. This is resurrection night. The disciples were gathered together for fear of the Jews, scared spitless that, you know, they were next. Jesus appears in their midst which did cause bladder control problems. And he said, peace be with you. Then what did he say? As the Father has sent me, in the same way the Father sent me, in like manner as the Father has sent me, so I, or I also, from the New American Standard, send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. That's the beginning of something awesome right there. Now, I know people will tell you that the church began at the day of Pentecost. No, it did not. There are others who will tell you that the church began here on that evening when he breathed on them and they were born again. No, the church began with Adam. Amen. And in fact, when Stephen is defending himself uh, before, the, uh, before the Sanhedrin, before he was, when he was referring to Moses, he said, this is the one who was with the congregation in the wilderness. And the word translated congregation there is the word ecclesia. Yep. Amen. But this is where everything changed. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Luke... Referring to the same, I believe, the same episode, same event, Luke 24, 45, says this. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. When he breathed on them, that spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of God came into them. And they were, just think about it. When you read through the Gospels, you go, what is wrong with those guys? They are spiritually tone deaf. You know, it it says, what does he mean this? What does he mean that? What does he mean? I'm going to a place you can't get. You know, what does he mean? You know, I'm going to. You know, be raised from the dead and everything. They're like, what is what is raised from the dead mean? They, they, they were clueless. We would be too. I am not making fun of them. But once he breathed on them, it says, it, oh, he opened their minds. The Holy Spirit opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Because we enter into a relationship with God that is completely different from what the Old Testament saints had. Galatians 4, 6, Paul says this, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, which is what a little Hebrew child would call his daddy. And in fact, that's what it means in Hebrew, is daddy. Abba, Father. 
Wow. The spirit of his son lives where? In our hearts. Not in your head. You got to renew your head. But your heart's already renewed. Wouldn't it be nice if God would just take the screw off the top of our head and renew, you know, pour it in. But he doesn't. Now coming back to, you know, Jesus immediately after the resurrection. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Gathering them together, he commanded them, not suggested, commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the how longs or the winds which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive what? Power. Everybody say power. power. Oh, yeah. You will receive power. You know, um, we rented a car in uh, Denver one time. I think it was a Chevy Impala. It was a Chevy something. It was a beautiful car. And after I'd driven it almost 20 minutes, I turned to my wife and I said, this thing is gutless. It didn't have any power. I don't know what motor they had in it, but I'm pretty sure it was the smallest one they made. And I mean, you had to stand on it like that just to get out of the way. I like power. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I was talking to a guy the other day. I was over here at the car wash and he got out of his mother's Ford Mach-E. And I was watching him. I, I, I didn't know it was his mom. He gets going, what's mine? I said, I like that Mach-E. He goes, oh my gosh. I go, what do you mean? He said, I have a Mustang. And he said, that thing will blow my doors off. Because that with, with the electric vehicles, all that torque, it's right there. It's ready to go. I mean, poof. And just, and he said, that thing runs strong. And I'm going, let's see, how can I get me one of those? <laughs> because I like power. When I was, when, when I was in the military, I, when I was in the army, I was an AIT and I was struggling, and I said, Lord, I know there is more to you than I know. I know there's more. There has to be more to Christianity. There has to be more. There has to be more than what I'm experiencing. This is not all there is. It can't be. So I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll get baptized. I was sprinkled as a kid, you know, as a baby. I was Methodist. So they sprinkle you. It's probably against the law to dunk a baby. So they, they christen you, they sprinkle you. And so I thought, you know what, just take a step toward God. I called my Methodist pastor. I said, can I get baptized when I'm home on leave by full immersion? He said, yeah, we can do that. They've got a baptistry down at First Methodist. So we did. We went down to First Methodist and he, he, he was a combat Marine. Iwo Jima gave his heart to Jesus as a Marine lieutenant on Iwo Jima in a foxhole. And he's one of the four guys in the army that kept his promise to serve him with all of his heart, all of his mind. 
And he, so he, I, and so I came back and I couldn't really tell much difference. And I got to Germany and a friend of mine said, hey, we're going to go hear this guy speak the other day. And I said, filth, filth, filth. Yeah, like this. And he says, oh, well, you want to come on? I said, okay. And so we go. And this guy's talking about baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about speaking in tongues and all this stuff. And he might as well have been speaking uh, Chinese. I didn't understand any of that. And so when he was done talking, I get up. And I've told this story 30 times here. I turned to Alan and I said, I've never had any esoteric experience. I like that word, esoteric. That's, my, that's a good word. Experience like speaking in tongues or anything like that. Ex fully expecting him to say, nah, me either. And we were going to go down to the brand new Burger King and get lunch. And he said, oh yeah, I do it all the time. <laughs> what? He said, no, I do it every day. I didn't say it, but I'm thinking, but you're so normal. What's up with that? And he said, I said, well, how do you do that? He said, well, why don't you go down there and sit? He's just got a group of people that are seeking and he'll minister to you. And I said, okay. So I went out and sat down and he started talking about it. And I'm listening to him talk about tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all that. And so he said, let's pray together. And he had, I don't even remember what he had people pray because I didn't pray that. This is what I prayed. Father, I am sick of my life. And there is more to you. I've told you that. I want whatever you have for me. And if this is it, Lord, lay it on me. I wasn't religious. And man, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I just, and this is before he even got over to put his hands on me. And I'm talking in tongues a mile a minute. And by the time Steve Lytle got to me, he just put his hand on me and says, you're full of him, brother. <laughs> and kept moving on down. And my life was as changed from that day to this. I mean, even the Baptist brethren in our platoon, in our company, even, I remember the guy, Bill Watson, the guy that had, was in the room across from me, who absolutely, resolutely and stoutly refused to believe in speaking in tongues. He said, I don't know about this tongue stuff, but he said, anything that can turn Kevin McMullen around is good with me. I'm saying, well, I don't know if that's a compliment for God or a slap on both of my cheeks. Because that was a mess. I admit it. But it just went. Whoosh, changed the way I talked. Changed the way I saw the world. Changed everything. That's what Jesus is saying. Do not leave Jerusalem without it. I from, went from being powerless. To walking in a. You know that. I've never looked back. Not even? Yeah, full of him, yeah. All right, if our musicians would come. I'm talking about God showing up, not in just persuasion. Paul said, I, I'm not coming to, when he was having trouble with the people of Corinth, he said, I'm coming back, I'm going to find out, not about the, the, the rhetoric and all of the slick words these people have, I'm going to find out about their power. Because the, the power of God, the very, you know, uh, well, in fact, you know, I'll say the other thing Jesus said about that in Luke 24. 49, he said, Behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are what? Clothed with power from on high. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, working of miracles, gifts of healings, miracle faith, tongues, interpretation, prophetic. 
Jesus, uh, Paul said, covet earnestly the greater gifts. God wouldn't tell us to covet something it was not his will for us to have. To desire earnestly. But if I'm not, but it's all by faith. If I'm not expecting them, it, you know, it makes it tougher for it to happen. If I don't believe in them, it makes it nearly impossible. People who think that God doesn't heal people today aren't going to pray for them to be healed or expect God to do anything. I have seen, I can honestly say, I was thinking about this the other day. I have seen every single one of the ninefold manifestations that he lists in 1 Corinthians 12. I have seen them, I've seen them manifest in my life. I've had each and every one of them. Not like every day, every week, every month, anything like that. But I've had word of wisdom. I've had word of knowledge. I've had discerning of spirits. I've had working of miracles. I've had gifts of healings. I've had miracle faith. I've had every one of those things happen at least once. And I'm here to tell you there is absolutely nothing like it. Amen. When God shows up like that, I remember the first time I got interpretation of tongues. We were just a bunch of GIs out praying together. And one guy started speaking in tongues. You know, we were, we were praying in tongues. most. And as he was praying in the Spirit all at once, I understood him like he was speaking English. And I'm like, well, this is cool. Wow. I wasn't sure what was happening because my pastor hadn't taught me yet. This power is no mystery to those who belong to him. It is nicely delineated in 1 Corinthians 14. Excuse me, I said 12, 14. And the more we know about them, the better we can flow in them and the more faith we can have for it. Lord, I'm expecting you to do something here. What are you going to do? Lord, I expect you to do something here. What are you going to do? Show me what you want done. Because it's as he wills. I can't stir it up. It's just, you know, I can worship. I can have his presence. But, and I, I you know, I tell you what, I'm, we're going to see God. Already we're seeing the green shoots. But I want to see the full First the, the blade, then the ear, then the full corn, the full fruit in the ear. Let's all stand. We're running a little late. I apologize. Those of you watching by web, if you do not know Jesus Christ of Nazareth as your Savior, I am telling you right here that there is no time to waste. Our world is spiraling downward quickly. Our Father is in control, but you need to get in the family. And the way you do that is confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And he has said, he who comes unto me I will in no wise cast out. So it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, how awful you've been, how much you've ignored God. All of that's irrelevant. God's calling you to himself right now. Right now. If you're a believer and you've been a casual Christian it's the day to put that behind you because things are getting crazy and God is the one who's in most of it it might look like the devil's in control but I promise you he is nothing of the sort our God is in control we sang it my God is in control when did he lose his power when did never he is the same God today in fact 
I'll read Acts chapter 1. Uh, let me get there. I could probably quote it, but it says, The first account, 1 1, I composed Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach. What does he mean, began to, in other words, the Gospel of Luke? What does he mean, began to do and teach? Because Jesus is still doing, he is still teaching, it's just now he's using his body to do it instead of being personally, physically present to do so. You are the only Bible some people will ever read. You've heard that. And, you know, it's time for us to realize who we are, whose we are, so that we hit the door. The devil goes, oh no! Because greater is he that's in you than anything. Hallelujah. Get in, believer. All the way in. Jesus' name. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone, available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily, all one word, dot O-R-G, iccfamily.org. O-R-G. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.